Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? That's where he started. Yeah, he started in the right place. We were talking about our old pal, uh, Robichaux, who we just had on the podcast and how much we enjoyed having him on. Zach, it's good to have you in-house again. This is... This is twice within a month. This is like we're we're, we're breaking records here. We're doing it. Well, uh, I heard you guys were getting into Matthew or Mark thirteen. And I was like, I better, I better come. I better make person. a trip to Louisiana. So I've been waiting <laughs> days to say this. I didn't know I was going to do it in person, <laughs> but that's what got you here. Now is the threat of an eschatological <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Well, what's funny is me and my me and my wife got in a uh, a big fight last week on this topic. Was there it was like did it come to blows or it got heated? I, I walk in and she's in the kitchen. Everybody and I, listening, I'm sure it was just that's why y'all like each other so much because y'all have regular rat rounds with your. Oh, this women. got this got rowdy because I came in, she's in the kitchen, and uh, I'd been studying for the podcast on this. Mark thirteen passage because it's there's a lot of meat here yeah and it gets it gets very controversial so there there's a, a Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he's preaching uh, or he's giving like this discourse and it's known in the in the theological theological community as the Olivet discourse yeah and yeah. so he was on the Mount of Olives yeah he's on the Mount of Olives so I said man every the more I read about the Olivet discourse I just get so fired up and she's like the what I said the Olivet discourse she goes Oh, do tell us, Zach, about the olive. She says, "You and your big words." I'm like, "What, is- man? This was crazy." I've actually heard of of that. I guess in my research, but I'd heard that before. But she joined in right where we jo- and right, I was right so, where we left off, and from- I was already bitter about. The- so then I like unleash, and I'm like, "You know, this is what's wrong with." And then, the- and then it just got it just got heated. It got really heated. Uh, well, that's what I love about Jill. She's got a way that get to Zach that nobody else can, which that makes her special. So I wanted to show you this. I did want to thank you guys. So apparently my wasting uh, episode, there's a lot, now it's all over Facebook. Oh, that's so, that's so, a great gift. So somebody gave me this. This was laying on my desk. I went in to preach yesterday. And so an anonymous gift of a bug swatter. But if we'd had this thing, Jason, oh. we, we'd have been, because this thing electrifies at the same time, it, who, who gave you that? I don't know. Somebody at our church. It was laying well, on my desk. So I'm going to have to give credit. I mean, in the last two weeks, I've gotten a brand new Bible that I was after for the last five years. And someone sent me a magnifying glass that is 
I mean, it is a magnifying glass in a little leather. I got one right here at all times. <laughs> we lost your mic, uh, Phil. <laughs> Phil said Phil. everybody has to have a magnifying glass and that he has one right here. As he walks on. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil's entered that zone. You already had back surgery, and the first few days were bumpy. Oh, yeah, we got to hear from him. But now. When he comes I, back, we'll ask I've him. I've noticed him and Cy have something in common. Once they've escaped, you know, death and surgeries and all these, they – they're just like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. If get I up wanna, in the middle of the podcast. It don't matter. Get up in the middle. Yeah, I'm on. I want a cup of coffee. I'm gonna yesterday, I was preaching about the resurrection. I was yeah. getting on a pretty good little run, you know, and I was talking about, we talked about a lot on the podcast, all the things that Jesus did, you know, post-resurrection. Yeah. So I'm getting into it, and I'm back and forth, and I'm getting some stuff back from the audience. And finally, the last one, I said, and he flew out of here. I mean, literally, I said, you think Superman something? And all of a sudden, I hear from the back, that's the way I'm going out of here. No, and it was side. I, I, it was I said, who in the world was that? I looked up, his old side is looking. I oh, said, he was yelling. And then, <laughs> then he said, I said, that's right, Sai. I said, Sai's flying out of here. And I said, Sai, you won't even need oxygen. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they call that a shout back church. <laughs> shout back church. So, yeah, are you, are you better? Yeah, give us a report. I said this yesterday to the brothers who had gathered up there. Uh, the heart surgeon was there, and uh, we converted him, he and his wife. Was he a consultant yeah. on the back issue? Do you consult? He, he was the one that they said, what about the Mr. Robertson? He's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what do you call it when you, when you, uh, you dehydrate? So I threw up about four or five times after that hunt on the elm hole. I'll I witness that. So yeah. your back was hurting, but all of a sudden you started. Then, well, he got a stomach. He looked though. at the whole thing and they said, I don't know this guy, dehydration, but you know things go up and they they had names for it, but things go down on, you know, is he, is he ready for the operation? Some EKG but, uh, issues, yeah. But the, but the heart surgeon, Sampanero, the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. And Greg Sampanero are the ones I run with. And the heart surgeon. Heart surgeon. He <laughs> said, well, you'll be all right. That, you'll be said all right. that at CPAC one year. Well, yes, the well, needle they yeah. used to for a perforated, you know, uh, what, what's what's Injection. The, yeah, the backbone, what's it made up of? It's for your vertebrae. Vertebrae. Yep. The, the, the tool they use. And I kept thinking, well, how could one little needle being bored down in my back? I mean, it's a big thing, yeah. but... But then they informed me that the needle was about the size of this pen here. Ooh. So, because there's an incision on your back. It's that big a hole going into your back. So I told them I just stopped the whole proceeding and said, Look, for all you brothers who are Christian people, I said, You are to be lifted up as being men and women in the medical profession that alleviate the pain of your neighbors. I think it's, to me, it was love for God, love for your neighbor. These people who work in the health profession, I mean, they deserve a salute to say. Oh, I agree. Because here, because we're they only. They're well trained. We're about five days after the surgery. And Look, you're, and you're I was just uh, misery. It was Wednesday, yeah, five right? days. Yeah, five days. I, I went through misery. I mean, yeah. in and out of the bed was a major thing. Just crawl. You know, ah. I mean, it was rough. Oh, we lived every time, every day I went home and uh, Missy's like, well, how's your dad? I was like, he's literally crawling around on the floor of the blind in agony. She's like, why don't y'all just tell him not to come? 
I was like, do you want to tell him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and now that you're I missed feeling, a few days yeah. in duck scenes, but not many. But the, but the uh, you know why we surgeon, you know why they didn't right. tell you not to come to because of the code. The Robertson Code. You don't I, tell other Robertson brought, men what to do. It's I think a, I broke the code. I did tell him a few times, but I don't, I'm not sure he was listening. But <laughs> he was still going speaking by the code. Of that, speaking of that, I was told by the uh, the former duck hunt coordinator, now the deer manager. <laughs> I didn't still, realize it was a full full job switch. Well, here's yeah. here's the issue, you know, and I I shared that story. On some podcasts, well, one of the last, the last four or five, that you don't want to, you don't want to, for if all of you who are part of a hunting club, you don't want a deer manager running the duck coordination <laughs> on the hunts. That's just that's right. It, Is it a conflict of interest? Yeah, it's a conflict of interest. So anyway, he he called me last night and he said, uh, "Here's what I'm thinking." He said, "You need to talk Phil into," and I said, hey, "Hang on, right there." <laughs> <laughs> let me stop you right anything. we already got a he problem. said well let me rephrase that he said i think that phil since he just had the back surgery needs to shoot a 20 gauge and in, instead of a 12 gauge and i said so what's next move him in the middle of the blind right next to si in between the oxygen tank and si and he's like, well, that, that, that's a that thought. if they ever move you to the middle, it's, it's, it's you're one step you know, from not hunting. There's a, there was a little conflict on the discussion of there's a large difference between managers and owners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kate told me last night. You know, we got Phil, about Phil a said, several million dollar enterprise. <laughs> so now Look. they're telling you, Phil, they're recommending what shotgun you shoot. Because there, here's their thought: a 12 gauge is the recoil for all you non-hunters that are listening. The recoil on a 12 gauge is is more substantial than a 20 gauge. With the even ga- though you would think the gas operated is still no, those guns they kick. Okay, and, and uh, especially you know, but I was going to explain that just because you'd think a 20 gauge is bigger because it's a bigger number, but it's actually the higher the gun, number, the less. The yeah, gauge. in the gun world, it's the opposite. For really, it's a good question. Only shotguns. Just yeah, think shotguns. about it: the lifestyle of some individuals uh, in these United States of America, the lifestyle of some, literally, has evolved around guns and ammo. Tons of ammunition. I mean, all the safety work and our whole right? lives have been our whole lives. Well, Phil, I'm 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 covering the globe with a metal detector, and the top three finds right in between, you know, nails and yeah. beer cans are bullets. Yep, or bullet casings. I Some mean, people look down on that, but if you look at it, you know, from a Christian perspective, you know, salt water is their big hero, but you know. But they still say somewhere in there, salt water built not only a lot of fish. I see that coming out of salt water, but I don't see ducks or me coming out of salt water. <laughs> I just don't see it. <laughs> or the ability to come up with ammo well, and all that. Right? So I take it you're not switching to the 20 You're going to stick with We'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so says the owner. Of the, the owner, not the manager. <laughs> not the manager. All right. Well, are y'all ready? The to man get who into fixed this? my back. He, he when when that topic came up, he said, "I will and no, 
capacity, or I do not have any authority to tell the duck commander that he can't shoot the shotgun he wants to shoot. That's the guy that worked on me. He Is said that? so. <clears throat> he didn't put any limits on it. No, he said it's up to you. Well, and I do want to mention before we leave this. the uh, Good good people. I got a lot of notes uh, from Unashamed Nation and concerns for Dad. And, we, and a lot of you said you were praying for So, Dad, you had thousands of people praying for you so it worked for that we say thanks and uh dad's better which is always good he, yep. the man stuff you know he's he's been dealing with this three weeks now a little over three and you know he only missed one of his classes at wfr that he teaches and he only uh, missed about three days of duck season we're in the split now right so that, helps that's during the healing well process. he's not even tempted to, <laughs> to go. and look i I'll, drove over this morning uh, this happened on uh, two days for duck season. So that's, uh, this happened on about uh, November the 15th, right before duck season. It's when I wrenched my back and uh, the vertebra, you know, collapsed to a certain degree. But it took took me about a couple of weeks to finally say, I think I'm going to eat some medical. Yeah, that's called stubbornness. It's a big move for me to make. Yeah. So I go up there and then they look at it. And they they lay it down on what's the problem, and the guy said, and this guy would plays, you know, he's a previous, you know, Georgia Bulldog. Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> I said, you know what? I said, forget LSU for a few minutes. Let's go with his back. And how are you? Go with, how are you with backs? So you done strapped the, the Tigers one time too many, I guess. I said, but hey. So he said, we can fix it. So I I really think. Uh, we don't give them enough credit. No, you're the right. The skill set of individuals who give their life to alleviate the pain of their neighbor. Yeah, it's a, it's a gift. I also want to mention that Dad is at WFR every Sunday, 9 o'clock. We have an unashamed Bible study, and you basically lay out the gospel every Sunday. And so yesterday, I was preaching, so I was there. <clears throat> and I ran up on two soaking wet people uh, when I came in. Yep. I said, well, it looks like y'all must have taken the big splash here. And they said, yeah, your dad. I said, did dad baptize y'all? And I was I was worried then. They said, well, Burley did the heavy lifting, but your dad had a hand on the shoulder. I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Burley was kind of doing the— drove those, one, of, one group from Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. I, yeah. said, I said, we shoot mallard ducks, and we, we eat them. I said, but a lot of them have little bracelets on their, on their little feet. And I said, it says Saskatchewan. We look it up, Saskatchewan. You get on the computer, they'll tell you when that duck was banded, how old he was, and where he ended up. I said, some of them end up here. I said, they never leave here alive and get back to Canada. (laughs) I said, however, if y'all drove all the way down here from Saskatchewan, and they did, to be baptized, I said, you are in the right place. Well, he told me they'd come down to visit some family in Tennessee, and he said, we figured since we were in the neighborhood, Tennessee, <laughs> that they'd come on down. I said, well, I guess when you're from Saskatchewan, uh, Tennessee's the neighborhood. So, yeah, we met him yesterday. Congratulations. Great guy. So now he has eternal life, and it's for sure. There you go. I love it. Let's take a break. So we all know that this last year was momentous because Roe versus Wade uh, was overturned, and, of course, the battle still goes on. It's just now at the state level, and it'll still be at the federal level as well, so we know that. No group in America is better positioned to help us in this battle than 40 Days for Life. They have a million volunteers in a 1,000 cities. They hold peaceful vigils outside abortion facilities, and they have a large presence in a lot of the blue states where we still see a lot of abortion. So they've because they're peaceful uh, vigils, 
they've uh, caused the abortion no-show rate to go as high as 75%, which is huge. And they've also uh, helped close 106 abortion businesses in America. So they're changing hearts. They're changing minds. They're making a big difference. And we want to join these guys and be a part of the action. So check out their locations. Um, you might want to volunteer and you know participate in one of their prayer vigils. They've got a podcast, which is excellent. Uh, they have a free magazine uh, that you can get as well. And you go to 40daysforlife.com uh, to be able to get access to this information and also to stay updated on what's going on in post-Roe America. So that's 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. All right, so we're <clears throat> ready to dive into uh, to Matthew. I mean Matthew, Mark thirteen uh, today. We got Zach here from North Carolina, which is always good. Um, I think we'll reset the stage that got us to here because we've Please. had a couple of podcasts in between. Well, here's the problem. I think where the reason we we're building this up is controversial is because <clears throat> people just come to Mark thirteen to talk about Mark thirteen. And or Matthew 24, right? Matthew, yeah. And you're like, well, wait a minute here. I mean, if you just go back to Mark 11 and where he clears out the temple. So, you know, that's not, the, I mean, only in the book of John is the clearing of the temple early. Right. But the other three, I'm pretty sure about that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have it. Right here. Right. Because John just covers basically that the last week of Jesus' life, whereas these guys. John's kind of starts here. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, and, and I have, you know, notes about, because I really like how John, you know, recorded this, you know, when Jesus talked about the temple referring to his body in John 2. And we, we can look at that in, in detail, because when he said, you know, they were looking around like, when he made that claim about the temple's going to be destroyed and not one stone be left on another. And then it says parenthetically that he was talking about his body right? that he would raise up in three days. Right. And uh, I think that's a key. No, it is. It, it, it is I'll, a very key moment. And I'll take one step back further too, Jay. So, so this starts, obviously he's, he's coming into Jerusalem to begin the process of why he came. I and mean, this is all about, him setting the stage, I came to die. Dad, you mentioned, he mentions it in Mark 8. By the way, while you're there, in other words, he makes a comment about the the the, uh, the, the healing of a boy with an evil spirit. I love this one. He just right after this says, "I uh, the, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They'll kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Just before that, the healing of the boy with an evil spirit from childhood, they said to Jesus, this, this boy's had this problem. He, he said, he's often throwing him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you, can, if you can do anything to take pity on us and help us. And Jesus' response was, if you can. <laughs> I mean, to me, yeah. that was the power yeah. of the text that you are reading. Jesus said, I'm fixing to die, be buried. That's the, that's the goal yeah, that I'm here, but but they were slow in getting it. But at the end, go preach the gospel to all the creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It, it's not rocket science. <clears throat> no. And so as he comes in, so so a couple of things happen. 
One is he raises Lazarus from the dead. Remember from John 11. Yeah. That's huge because now all of a sudden we're out there. There are a bunch of people there. They see this happen. So now word has begun to spread. He comes into Jerusalem, and the first thing he does is he goes into the temple. And I mean, he you know, goes after him. We talked about that. Which so, is, which is a, a big, that's big because that's the context. It, he's, it's because it's called in my Bible, the heading is the triumphal entry of Jesus. So he, this is Jesus, as we mentioned in a previous podcast, Jesus is, his ministry is going public. He's, right. he's done all this stuff in the past and he's, and he's told when he's performed miracles, he's told him to be quiet, not tell anybody, but this is the moment where he's going public and it, it's worthy of note that the first place that he goes is the temple. Correct. That's where he goes. Right. He goes into the temple. He, and then Mark's account is, I think Mark says he goes in the temple, looks around, leaves, comes back. Right. The next day. The high priest yeah. has arrived, but nobody knows it. Yeah. The high priest at so, this point. So when we were in exactly. Mark, Mark 11 and 12, every group that's represented in the temple, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, all of them come and take him on, right? Every one of those different groups comes and tries to trap him or trick him. And we know behind the scenes, we keep getting these little thoughts that they're plotting to kill him, which he knows that. And that even started when, and the reason I mentioned him raising Lazarus, Jace, is because that started then. Remember, as soon as he raised him up, they said they started a plot to kill Jesus and Lazarus. Remember, yeah. the well, same bunch at the temple that's been after him, I mean, he's fixing to do away with all of it, right? including them. Well, and I feel like I need to read this. I mean, I'm, we're, refer we're, we're just leading up to Mark 13. So he, when he cleared out the temple in Mark 11. So when you go to John and actually read that in John 2, he goes, he goes into the temple courts in verse 12. And they, you remember they had, uh, there was a bunch of animals there because they had brought their animals to be sacrificed. You know, I probably bought them there. They were had yeah, the money exchange. It's, it's a commerce, right? Yeah, it's a house of trade, and he's looking around here, and so he and it's not you know we we tend to think that he was angry, but when you look in the Greek, you know when in verse seventeen his disciples remembered that it is written, "Zeal for your house will consume me." I mean, zeal. He was showing his zeal, and you say, "What was what was he zealous for?" He was zealous for humanity, for people, because then he, he's the one that came up with this uh, with this example of, I'm the, I'm the temple. You destroy this body. Verse, verse 18, then the Jews demanded, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove you have authority to do all this? Jesus said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And in my research, uh, I listened to a sermon, and, and he had four points, and I loved it. He really wasn't talking about Mark 13, but he was talking about John 2. But, and I wrote these down. Christ's body was the destroyed temple when he broke his body on the cross mm -hmm. for, for us. His body, post-resurrection, was the rebuilt temple. Correct. It was rebuilt is not a good enough word, but whatever that was, yeah. it, you know, for, for – the body to come back. He was dead. Now he's alive. Now he's alive. Glorified. So now, based on that happening, there is a new location for holiness. It's not this building with with of rocks, because you got to remember back in their day, it was where they got. It was the center 
not just of their faith and their religion and their the presence of God, but of their politics and of their, in, in this case, even their commerce. It was the central location for everything. Well, now the new location for true holiness is Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's his presence. So the temple yeah. or the tabernacle was where heaven and earth met. And then in Jesus now you have the incarnation of God himself in flesh. So there's this incredible, like, it's, it's a paradigm shift. I mean, it's, it's not even a paradigm shift. I don't think we have words in the English language well, to describe right. what's happening here. Right. And the, is, the fourth thing was God's salvation had now become universal. It wasn't just localized yeah. to, the, to the Jews. So you just think about that. that that's what to he's— To incorporate the Gentile world into the whole apparatus when Jesus— Think about it, Jace, with the Jews, how long have they had this, this power? A thousand years, maybe, pretty close to it, when the temple was built and then they... And it was built, <clears throat> Solomon's, Solomon built it. Well, I think in like 586... This is a shock. 586, yeah. I can't believe that number popped into my head, but I think that's accurate. They It actually was destroyed. Was destroyed and five, so they five, started... Five, I think it was 587. Oh, okay, give or take. <laughs> they and then it started being rebuilt. That's so, but look, and it lot, took about ninety years. <laughs> you know, that's Ezra and Nehemiah. That's that process, which is important because when when you hear some of the language, the apocalyptic language here in Mark thirteen, it it's very uh, the, um, familiar and and it it sounds a lot like the apocalyptic language that was written that's in right. Isaiah to prophesy about the coming of the destruction of the temple exactly. in five eighty seven. Yeah. Well, before we get there, so I'm I'm just getting us there. So then you had this. Hang on, Jason. Let's take a break. All right. Then you had this withered fig tree. Uh, it's not a parable, but what incident? <clears throat> which we talked about what that represents. Yep. Which is we're still going to the power Inclu uh, and inclusion of the Gentiles. Yeah. Of this, we're moving on from just Judaism and the Jewish nationalistic religion. Then you have, he tells this parable. There's no doubt who he's talking about here in chapter 12, where you remember about the, he planted a vineyard and the wall around, he dug a pit and then he rented the vineyard to some farmer, far, farmers and went away on a journey. He gives this, this vision, this parable of him sending prophets and to teach and, they kill them all. They even sent his son. They kill him too. And at the end of it, you remember in verse 12, it said they looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. And, uh, and, and all this is going on, going back to 1127 in the temple courts, when he's walking around the temple courts talking, talking with the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. This is what's happening here. He cannot be any more specific in throwing haymakers than what he's throwing. Let's take a break. So you hear a lot of offers out there for free iPhones uh, that sounds too good to be true, uh, which it is, because just like freedom itself, nothing is free. Uh, mobile phone companies not only lock you into long-term contracts, but they also bill the price of the phone into your bill with hidden fees. And uh, if you've been doing business with these guys for a while, you know that that's true. One of our sponsors, Patriot Mobile, can show you how to get the exact same iPhone, but interest-free without the games and no contract. 
Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks because they use the same towers as the major guys. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. They believe in the same things that we do. Patriot Mobile also offers performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch to either of the three carriers they provide for free. Go to patriotmobile.com slash fill, or you can call 972-PATRIOT. Their uh, customer service is 100% U.S.-based. You get free activation today with the offer code fill. So if you're fed up with the woke, it's time to go with Patriot Mobile. And you can do that at patriotmobile.com slash fill, or you can call 972-PATRIOT. If you read the sister comparison in Matthew, Matthew records he did a bunch of other parables yeah. with that same theme. So this he's making a strong point that this whole dispensation, this whole era, everything the way it's been is coming to an end. This is something new. And you know, that's the point over and over and over. So we, you jump to 1235. Look, he's still teaching in the temple courts. And you remember that we went through this about... Uh, Christ coming through, being being the son of David, and which is all you know in reference to this prophecy that there's a Messiah coming in the line of David. Right. And so, uh, even in the the last place in forty one, before we get here, when Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And he gives this analogy about this woman giving all she had as as being more true to all the people in flowing robes and trying to use their wealth for with same reason he 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 ran them out of the temple yeah. two chapters ago. It's a clear picture. Her but often was a fraction of a penny. Yeah, it's the clear picture of a heart of the widow versus the heart of yeah. these other folks. Now, look, I know that was a quick review, but we've done previous podcasts on all those in specific. But you have I feel like you have to do that before you read 13, because now it says, as he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones and that's why I read that in John 2 when he said not one stone would be left on another. Yeah. Look, he's not, this is not some kind of illustration. They're, they're looking, and he's like, look look at this. I mean, it was a, oh. I mean, you can look at, uh, you know, recreations and art. It's out there online. You can, you can say, I mean, it, is, it was a piece of work. Spectacular. Spectacular. What massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Now, I just want to stop right here and before I keep reading and say, do you realize the power of what Jesus says here? Because what year are we talking about here? This it would have been thir- 30, 33 AD. or, you know, yeah, 30, <clears throat> I guess. If well, 32, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you realize 32. that he said that? And 40 years later, there was not one stone left on another. So wherever you go and how you treat the rest of what we're reading, I think it's significant that you have a person who that we've put our faith and trust in yeah. who is able to tell you something that 
it may not mean as much to us today because we're not looking at the building, but go yeah. find a picture of it. Yeah. yeah. And him saying, there's not one stone going to be left on another. Yeah, and then there, 40 years later, in history, whether you're a believer in the Bible or not, in the history books, there was not one stone left on another 40 years later in history, in any history book, you can prove that. Right. So I, I just think that's significant. So then it says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. Hold on, op- let, me, let, me, let me let me okay, back, go ahead. back up what you just said, too, because not to steal the thunder from the end of this, but I think it's good at the beginning to see this as two big parentheses around this conversation, because we're, we're going to get into this, what Jesus said, but obviously, great point you just made. At the end of this uh, discourse, he says this. He says, truly, it's in verse 30 of Mark 13, truly, I say to you, this generation— which, by the way, you, do you know how long a generation was in Jewish history and Jewish culture? 30 to 40 years. Right. So so within the, what he's saying here, truly, I say this to you, that this is all going to happen in the next 30 to 40 years. He says, truly, I say to you, this generation, a generation last 30 to 40 years, mm-hmm. will not pass away until all these things have taken place. So whatever we're going to get into here. In between. In between. <laughs> yeah. In between. You have to, you have to get what Jason— mentioned at the beginning of this they're looking at the physical temple of israel and jesus and they're marveling at how magnificent it is as jesus is like yeah that's well, i appreciate come. it but it wasn't my thought i mean i'm just no it's in the bible i mean you, yeah, you yeah i just yeah, yeah. read it but yeah. what i'm what zach's point is and a lot of you may be a lot of you who don't know why this is so controversial what we're fixed to read you're like well, what's the big deal well People don't read these first three verses when they're having these discussions, nor do they read verse 30. They just jump to the middle and say, now, let me explain to you (laughs) when this is going to happen and how it's going to happen. And look, and I I went through it at nauseum because I I wanted to read and listen to what other people think before I. But with our our parentheses in scripture around this event that's going to take place, we can narrow it down to within a 30 to 40 year window. Yeah. Ex- well, that I would of, think from, from based on what it. we've read so far. Now I did wear my shirt today on purpose since we were going through Mark 13. <laughs> you gotta, For yeah. you that can't see it, I could be wrong, <laughs> but, but I'm fairly certain. Look, I'm 99.999% that. And the only reason I'm not saying a hundred is just, is it as if this was somehow, you know, Unless mis- misrecorded well, and, that he was looking at a building and it, well, they were discussing an actual structure here when he said, do you see all these great buildings? I mean, I don't know how many, which, how much clearer but, you but, can but think get. Think about this too. And I, was, I didn't know when to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up now because I want to, I want to let this sink in. It's this kind of language that, that got Jesus killed. Oh, oh! There's no doubt about that because he he's whatever he and it's the same thing. I was I turned over here. We we know in Acts 17, Paul says this, but also in uh, what got Stephen killed in Acts seven. Listen to what he says here. He says our our forefathers says Acts seven forty four. Our forefathers had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. And then he goes on to talk about these buildings that God dwelt in. But it was Solomon 
who built a house for him, the temple, right? This is what Stephen says. However, this is a big point. However, the Most High does not, he does not dwell in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is the footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my for my repose? Was it not my hand which made all these things? This is when Stephen said this, by the way, this is what got him killed. It's the same thing that got Jesus killed. And I know this is controversial, but I think it matters because this is a theme that is throughout the entire Bible that runs through the Bible. There's this place called the temple that they thought this is where God lives. And God's like, no. And when Jesus shows up, because they thought they could contain God in their building, they made a mockery of it. They made it a den of robbers. Jesus saw what they did to his quote unquote house and was like furious, flips over the tables, but really for the purpose of declaring what he's about to declare here. Well, that's why I said, I think because he had a zeal for people. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the Greek and break that word down, it, it was more he God wants to live with and in people. Well, the, and that's ultimately what happens, by the way, because because I mean, because you have the uh, the temple of Jesus is the temple, and then we become the temple. First Corinthians chapter six says we're the temple. Oh, so, I want to mention something. About right. that, but let's and take, I have two we're the verses. bricks. I we're the bricks that hold the temple. Right, yeah, go ahead, Al. But, and let's take a break. Welcome back to Unashamed. Uh, Tis the season, as they say. It's Christmas time, which is always a favorite. Uh, I do love giving people ideas about things they can get. Uh, and you, if you go to philmerch.com, use the promo code Phil20. Got a lot of Unashamed gear uh, that's there. Make great gifts. There's some uncanceled stuff there. Love always protects. It's a great t shirt. So if you're looking at a Christmas idea, check out philmerch.com. Use the promo code Phil20. Uh, to save you some money and get a great gift. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border just down the road. You can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. So I just want to mention the historical irony of this, that we're talking about this. We're reading this passage that was mentioned 2000 years ago. But if you go to Israel and Jace, you've been there today, you go to Jerusalem. So we're talking about December 2022. What you have is not only the the Jewish people hanging on to where the temple used to be, still as a central part of who they are. You've got I, I saw it happen. You, you've got Islam claiming that this is their Mecca because there's a mosque there, and then you've got a lot of people in Christianity 
claiming, no, 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 wait a minute. This is our spot as well because we're all going to come back here. Yeah. So in that one spot, you've got three groups of people that have missed what you just said, Dad, that yeah. it's not about a place or a building anymore. It's about us. It's yep. about the temple. Which is what in. Paul said, what Stephen said, exactly. and what Jesus said. I want to. There's two points I want to make before I get back to reading Mark. Is uh, one. I mean, Zach read when Stephen right before he died, but that was also the reason he was seized. If you back up another chapter to Acts, yeah. chapter six, uh, in verse 11, it says, Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. Well, I wonder what they mean about that. Well, he explains it. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him in before the Sanhedrin. Now listen to what the accusation is. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses Handed down to us. I mean, <laughs> okay. Uh, and this is this is all post resurrection. Yeah. And so, by the way, we have not compared notes. I just think yeah. that's interesting. No, I had the Act Six. You had the Act Seven. But now I think reading both of them that makes it more. Con- yeah, because it, it, it builds the story of what's going on I mean, here. Look, when he took on that temple, they got riled up. Oh yeah. But but look, I do think which our, is why I did it. Yeah. Or one of these scholars say, and, and I agree with it, that he said, you got to remember, it would be like an American, because it's hard for the Western culture now to identify this. He said, but this would be like if if you had uh, the take the four buildings of America, uh, you know, he had the if you just gone. Yeah. yeah if you Congress, took the White House, House, if you took all that and combined them into one, this is their temple. Yeah. This is this is the hub. It's the of, symbol of of them as a people. They're, then they're you're like, oh, so anybody to if you go around threatening that, well, what would they call you here? Insurrectionist. Well, yeah, you're insurrection. You're a terrorist. You're extremists. Yeah, you're extremists. This will we'll kill you if you're going to tackle this. So I do think we do need to have that. That's conversation. actually a good illustration because when you think about it, when the founders started out, I mean, they're in Philadelphia. I mean, the idea of liberty and freedom was for the people, yeah. of the people, for the people, by the people. It never was about structures. Yeah. So that's a that's a Jesus great actually illustration. Is the cornerstone but, of the building. Now I know we're said. setting this up. Yeah, we're set, and and Phil, to your point, I was going to read same idea that it, you know, we're we're fast forwarding to the practical application of Jesus in that Jesus said, "I'm the temple, you know, my body. I'm going to give it for you, for all people. The resurrection is going to show that we can live forever. I, I'm tearing down this location principle of worship and the presence of God, and you given these sacrifices to make up for your sin. I'm the sacrifice. And so when you fast forward to the end, I'll just pick one verse that Paul gave reference to in first Corinthians three sixteen when he said, don't you know, now we're fast forwarding. Now this is post resurrection. This is the spirit being poured out. <clears throat> Jesus is ascended to the right hand of God. 
And he says in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Well, doesn't this sound awfully familiar to, yeah. to John 14 when he said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. I'm going to go uh, in my father's house or many rooms. And remember that discourse? And he said, look, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to provide a counselor, the spirit. He'll be in you. John 14 says that. Well, we fast forward to Paul's application here, and he says the same thing. Well, verse, four, verse 17 says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred. And you're like, oh, well, see, he's talking about the temple is sacred. And you are that temple. Mm. That, that was the transition that Jesus brought. It's a way better story. Because, and it's better. And here's why. It's, you look at it logically with our fellow religious people running around. I can see how it would kind of get go to their head. Magnificent structure. Never realizing they were just one brick at a time. Yeah. Kind of like the, uh, the Pink Floyd didn't know anything about it. But <laughs> another brick in the wall. Another brick in the wall. Go ahead, wall. Go ahead I'm just glad to be one brick in the wall. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, you know, I've said this a lot. I think I said this on the podcast before. The reason why this matters is because it's we're talking about God's presence. At the end of the day, where, where does God live? Yeah. Where does God dwell? It's not in temples built by man's hands. God doesn't need the temple. He does. He's not going to be bound to that. But for us, it's important because if you think about having to go to a place to meet God, it's the same thing that happened with the woman at the well. What you say? Where do we worship? On the mountain or in Jerusalem? He's like, you don't get it. A no. time is coming, and in fact, the time is now here when you'll worship the Father neither on that mountain nor in Jerusalem. He wants worshipers who will worship Him in truth and spirit. It's God's presence in you. Now, I am the temple. God lives in me by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that, I think that's important because so yeah. many. Uh, I think what, what's happened in the church is when we get off on this, then we all we get so ha- hampered down on on justification, which is important, and the atonement. But the atonement of our sin and the justification of our sin is a means to an end. It's not the end itself. The end is being the presence of God. Yeah, and that's what we that that is the end of all of it is to be in the presence of God. So haven't hang on, let's take a break. So having said that, I want to read this. Hang on, before you read that, I just want to make one comment because that was a huge illustration you used for a lot of different reasons people don't realize. Because Jesus made it very clear to that Samaritan woman that what he was about to do. The reason she said that. Is because Solomon, who built the first temple, his son, the, his they split the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Jeroboam built another temple yeah. in Samaria. So then the people in Samaria, which temple do we go to? Do we go to this one or go to that one? So again, that's how confusing it is when you start talking about temples versus just being Christ. So anyway, I want to. So I'm going to read this, and uh, and the reason we're making such a big deal about the temple is because the controversy from what I'm fixed to read really has nothing to do with that temple. It has to do with whether this is the second coming or the final coming of Jesus, or this is something that Jesus accomplished when he was resurrected and ascended to the right hand of God, which was the yep. new temple of, of the Holy Spirit dwelling in people mm-hmm. here. So 
And I'll that's re- what makes it a differing view. You're right. Because exactly. a lot of people think it's the final coming. So let me read back up and read 13, 2, and 3 again. So he said, do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. So that's that, the, that's that, a key phrase because they're sitting the there Olivet. looking at it. What do you yeah. The Olivet Discourse, guys. <laughs> yeah. This is what we call this. They're the looking Olivet at Discourse. it. So Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? Because they're wondering, what's all this not one stone on another? When, when will this happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he, and he will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Now, I'm just going to stop so you can catch your breath. All of a sudden, in a few verses, you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? It's like, what? He, we were talking about the temple. We were talking about not one stone would be left on another. It would be destroyed. They said, give us the signs or a sign, or when will this happen? And then all of a sudden, he starts talking about the end. He starts talking about uh, nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom and earthquakes happening, rumors of wars. Well, it gets worse. Then he says, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues on account of me, and you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Because now all of a sudden, we're back to him talking to very, them. Very specific. So so just, he didn't lose his way. You know, I mean, this, this is Jesus speaking. And let me comment on that, Jace, because I think it's a huge point because he gives them a general look. And, and so what, what's happened is people through time have said, oh, here it is. Here's this war. Here's this earthquake. Here's this whatever. Well, that's what's happening today. That's what I'm saying. So, exactly. but, what, but what I think, you can take this the other way, which is the way I take it. He's saying, look, things are going to be happening. I mean, things that people look to for signs and this is going to happen. Over this 40 years, things are going to happen. But yeah. then well, he goes back to specific. I, I, would say, I would say it could be something else, too, though. It could be, I, I, think, I think he's referencing the same apocalyptic language that was in Isaiah's prophecy of, of, of the... Well, true. Well, we're going to get to that. Let me let me go ahead and just read it, and then we'll... I mean, we're going to have to have a part two on this, I guess. But so verse 10, <laughs> he says... Of course we are. Look, verse 10 says, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Another huge controversial thing we'll get to later. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Now, I love this. Just say whatever's given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Because he, he's looking, and then the next 40 years, you know what's also going to happen? And it's literally going to happen way before in the next few days, yeah. is the Holy Spirit is going to be mm. poured out and made avail- available. Brother will betray brother to death, father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, look, is he talking about their end or our end? I would I would say he's talking about their end. Because yeah. <laughs> everything mentioned there happened to all Exactly. These. And to Zach's point, verse 30, is this generation won't pass away before you see these things. Now, 
14, we get into this. Uh, I dubbed this, what did I write down? Heavenly language describing terrestrial events. How you like that? Mm. <laughs> so that's why the movie got it wrong. You know, the extraterrestrial, they just had a little thing that looked like an alien, but extraterrestrial would be God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. Oh, angels, demons, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because then it says, verse 14, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, which is a phrase used in the Old Testament, multiple references. Most, uh, mostly in the book of Daniel, but yeah. Yeah. Standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house. Wait, hold on, let me stop right there. Anything out. Think about this. Why? So if, if this is talking about the second coming of Christ, why in the world would you tell the believers to flee to the mountains? Yeah. It's the second coming. You're, oh, right. you're, why, why would you say flee? Yeah, it doesn't work. But, but, it, but th 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 I think that's a key point that's here. A big point. No, I agree. So verse 16, let no one in the field go back and get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant women, nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never be equaled again. I mean, but just put it in context. For this world... This is, and what happened in A.D. 70? It's coming. He's telling them it's coming. Complete destruction. So watch, verse 20. In the Lord, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would su survive, but for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time, but in those days, following that distress, now we have a reference of Isaiah 13 here, 10 and Isaiah 34, 4. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now, obviously, we have a figurative picture mm -hmm. of wrath and destruction right. yeah because yeah. when this was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah about the destruction of the temple in 587 none of this literally happened right this is all so like the the sun the moon all that that, that, that didn't literally happen this is I heard one guy say it like this this is apocalyptic language the way you could describe that would be like if I said man I'd give an arm and a leg for that why not I'm not really gonna. I'm not gonna be a paraplegic to to obtain whatever the thing. Yeah. It's, it's language that's being used to drive uh, the point. Uh, same thing I, I, Jesus said would gouge out your eye. Well, yeah. I heard an analogy. It'd be like if you came up with a bunch of sports references talking about uh, you know throwing an interception or a hail mary and you know the comeback and the dynasty is over. But you had never heard of sports. Yeah. whatsoever, you'd, you'd be, be like, like whoa, what now? What's going on here? I mean, their legacy is over. The dynasty's been broken. and I mean, it, it's it's that kind of language. But people who are familiar with Isaiah and Ezekiel and, oh, they, they got it. They understood. They, they got the picture of what's happening. Look, let me finish just reading this section. So at that time, verse 26, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Look. Clearly a reference to Daniel 7, which is where we started with all this kingdom talk about yeah. Jesus coming. So when people say, what kind of coming 
was this in reference to? He's here, and this is what he's bringing. Yeah, and most people yeah. see that as the second coming. Exactly. Read, read that. Read twenty-seven. Then we're gonna have to. And he will send his angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. And then look, he references the lesson from the fig tree that we had brought up before. And I have to read what Zach read before in verse 30. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I know we can't do it now. we got to take it to and, overtime. And the next podcast, and in overtime, but we'll bring it up in the next podcast too, we need to talk about Daniel 7. Yeah, we will. No, we're getting to because Daniel that's 7. The, Let's if, just talk you, about it in overtime. If yeah. you don't understand Daniel 7 and which direction Christ is going in Daniel 7, you're, you're, you're going to miss Mark 13. No, All right, so you want to follow us over. Uh, this is a great discussion. Uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed uh, to our overtime, and then uh, we'll talk more about this on the next podcast as well. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.